0: Well, hello everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We're going to go ahead and get started with some music while we allow others to jump on with us and get uh, caught up and get ready for another edition of Sunday School. We have music from the Broadview Baptist Chapel Choir, I Came to Magnify the Lord. Here we go. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Good morning, Ronnie. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here this morning. He is worthy of our praise. Ricardo, good morning. Thanks for being here. Thank you for being here. interesting Sunday school this lesson this morning for some of you it'll hit close to home <laughs> you know what I did I actually left my coffee in the car it was awesome my coffee yeah no I mean you well there you go that's all you need to hang on to that and Yep. Amen. I can't forget the coffee. <laughs> good morning, good morning. Amen. Shazaib, good morning. I'm guessing that's how you pronounce your name. Good morning. Amen. 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 That was the um, Broadview Baptist Chapel Choir out of Broadview, Illinois. I came to magnify the Lord. Amen. And there's, I'll go ahead and end that now, though. But thank you uh, again for the musical selection to play this morning. While we allow people to jump on with us, we are back at it again with another live stream Sunday school. We've got. Um, We've got a a little bit, uh, what I mentioned earlier was that we've got a a very interesting lesson today, um, kind of breaking it up a little bit to allow for focusing on one particular topic this week in the book of John chapter 7. But we'll get to that in a moment. John 7 We're going to be covering John 7 verses 1 through 13 this week. But before we do that, let's go through some of the announcements. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, much appreciated. Let's go through the announcements. Um, first of all, Pastor Gus did record a message uh, online for those of you who are on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. That's where you're seeing us right now. Uh, that message will appear uh, immediately following Sunday school. Uh, the work of sanctification is the message. So he hasn't. we have an online message for you. And we also, of course, if you're coming to Akron and you're Akron, Ohio, you'll see that message today at church in about an hour and a half, uh, approximately. So uh, we appreciate your patronage there as well too. But the work of sanctification, it's a continuing uh, message uh, from Pastor Gus on the Holy Spirit and the importance of the sanctification process, which we all should be experiencing if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be experiencing that very uh, sanctification, a constant improvement uh, as we grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Improvement not just personally, but in our relationship with him. He is sanctifying us, amen. That's how it, how the Spirit works. And please remember your tithes and offerings, amen. That's uh, also pretty important. We ask you to always pray before giving, and we want to make sure that you're praying and recognizing the importance of worship through giving, which is what it is. And making sure that our church is able to still take care of uh, the expenses, like I said, paying for the lights, (laughs) all of the utilities that we need, the heat, all those things. Uh, Those are real expenses. Of course, you're well aware of that, but we appreciate your uh, making sure that we are taking care of those issues as well too here. So thank you very much again uh, for being here today. We're going to go ahead and get into the lesson, the lesson uh, pertaining to John chapter 7 verses 1 through 13. and this particular section of Scripture, um, there are a couple of things that jumped out at me in preparation for today's lesson. One thing that you're going to see here are the, this, the communication between Jesus and his family members, his brothers. And it, it brings to mind that we still have family challenges that we deal with when it comes to people who are close to us who uh, may not know the Lord they these are family members who just don't know the Lord or uh, maybe you're curious about them but the one thing that you I always want to impress upon everyone who has this situation is that we are to be prayerful for our family members because we it's rare when there are all the family members know the Lord it's rare it's not a common thing I wish I could say it was but um, we know that there are people who uh, don't know the Lord. There are people in different families who just don't know him. And he would hate to think that it takes a lifetime for them to recognize who he is, but that's indeed what happens. So all of us should remain prayerful uh, as we go through these family challenges. Just, you don't change your personality. You just do what you do. But ultimately, you're not always going to be uh, accepted in the same manner as others, perhaps in the family who are um, just living for the world or living the way they normally live. Uh, just that's one challenge. And that sometimes is difficult to, to deal with. But we need to recognize it for what it is. Um, we're also going to look at how this is still going to be dealing with the conflict of the religious leaders at the time because there are people who are uh, anticipating Jesus coming. Uh, to the upcoming festival here, which we'll be reading about here in a couple of minutes. And looking to see what he's going to say, looking to see what he's going to do, uh, and I'll I'll set the stage here too, is that from the time of the end of John chapter 6 to the time of John chapter 7, about six months have gone by. Um, And that's based upon the fact that you read in John chapter 6 about, Um, The Passover, but in John chapter 7, now we're moving to the Festival of Shelters. It's also called the Festival of Booths. Uh, It's a time where the people are going to be gathering together. Um, It's around October, and they're gathering together to celebrate. um, Essentially, it's also called the Feast of Tabernacles, too. It has all these different names, right? But But ultimately, what it means is that as the people were being rescued from Egypt, they... Set up tents, and so that's kind of what the festival is all about. And it's going to be a celebration pertaining to that. And there's a high anticipation for Jesus appearing, and wanting to, uh, and 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 people speculating as to who he he is, who, what he represents. Many people had seen him do miracles, but they were expecting more now to happen. So let's go ahead and get into this passage, John chapter seven verses 1-13. through But before we do that, as we always do, we always go to the Lord for prayer. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time that you have set aside for us to truly look at what your word has to say. And Lord, we ask that you just teach us what you want us to know right now, based upon what we're covering today. We thank you, Lord, for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we would not be able to understand who you are without you revealing yourself to us. Through your Word, and we thank you that you've done that. We thank you that thank you that we indeed have greater understanding because we believe and trust in your Word. Lord, bless us now as we go forward and move through this lesson, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter seven. Let's look at verses one through thirteen. John seven verses one through thirteen, and we're gonna end at verse 13 and pick up next week with verse 14 where we'll see Jesus in fact did uh, appear uh, at the festival uh, at the temple. One thing I wanted to add to uh, as I was thinking about it during prayer God reveals himself to us through the word and the reason why we have Sunday school, the reason why we do what we do here is because we want to learn more about what Jesus is saying to us we want to learn more about what he's teaching us. But guess what? The only way we can do that is by being in the Word. Being in the Word and being in the Word on a regular basis. Regular basis meaning a daily basis. Um, I read something yesterday. And we, it, it has to do with s- establishing a routine. You know, we're in a new year. And we're eight days into a new year. And this is a great time. If you, if, if you ever make a New Year's resolution, make one that you can keep. And that's by following a Bible schedule, two-year Bible plan and staying with it. Because that really is going to be one of the most important resolutions you can make. To be in the Word and studying the Word every day. And pacing yourself as you go. And our church you know, unofficially endorses a two-year Bible plan. Because the two-year Bible plan is a plan that you can read and be successful in reading it seven to ten minutes of reading a day, and then we add to that an additional uh, five to eight minutes of prayer afterward because that's a 15-minute block of time. 15-minute block of time to be in the Word every day. Now, you can you can read longer than 15 minutes, but if you want to really be in the Word and stay in the Word, I've I've said this off and on now for several years, focus on being in the Word every day and get into our two-year Bible plan, which is available on akronalliance.org. It's available for everybody to use and download however you want to do it, but that is what's going to help you to be successful in your study and learning more about what God wants to say to you. All right, let's start with John chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to read through the passage in the New Living Translation. And 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 basically, John tells it like it is here. This is another phase of Jesus's ministry, a lot of anticipation about him, but there are a lot of enemies as well, too. John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Verse 3. And Jesus's brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even Jesus's, even his brothers excuse me, didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. Verse 8, you go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. And verse 9, after saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. Verse 12, there was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. It's a very interesting point to pay attention to. The Lord wants us to know about this uh, in looking at personalities, human behavior, peer pressure. I mean, that's exactly what this is. So we'll go back and look at this in greater detail. Let's go back to the top in verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. As soon as it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And the festival of shelters, the festival of booths, Feast of Booths, excuse me, these are all the same reference. They all take place at the same time in October. And what happens during the Festival of Shelters? I want you to understand how important this is, first of all, just to set the stage for it. it is What happens is that the people, when they gather together, they are dwelling in tents made of bows on the roofs of houses, in the open places in or around Jerusalem. They were all over the place. All these different tents were being set up to commemorate essentially what happened when the Jews were rescued from Egypt. They all got together and uh, after they had got to a place where they could settle, they all set up a bunch of tents. And that's what they did. So there were rites with this feast, which of course have to do with, if you refer to the book of uh, Exodus, you'll see, all the different activity that takes place uh, when, the, when the Jews are being rescued, the Israelites. Um, water was poured forth each morning in the temple to recall the smiting of the rock. Remember the passage when the rock was smitten, they were looking for water and, and then the water was gushing out. So there was actually, this was taking place during the festival as well too. Two candelabra lighted each evening represent the luminous cloud which lighted the Israelites by night. Remember that they followed a cloud a lighted cloud that God had uh, put forth for them so they would know which way to go. So we're talking about all things that happened, actually happened, of course. That's why they did these things. And the brethren of Jesus are named in Matthew 13, verse 55. And it's important to note, too, that uh, James uh, became the chief pastor of the Jerusalem church. But let's take a look at what it says in Matthew chapter 13. I want you to turn your Bibles, electronic devices, to... Uh, Matthew 13, verse 53. And we're going to read through to verse 58. Matthew 13, verse 53. And we're going to read through to verse 58. And what I want you to see here, this kind of sets the stage for what we're looking at uh, in the conversation with Jesus, between Jesus and his brothers. Matthew 13, verses 53 through 58. It says in verse 53, this is the Christian Standard Bible, when Jesus had finished these parables, he left there, he went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and, and these miraculous powers? Notice how they're recognizing that he indeed performed miracles. And where did he get this wisdom? Because he was very, very smart. The things that he said. Verse 55. Now here we go. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph? Simon and Judas. And his sisters, aren't they all with us? So where does he get all these things? And they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, that was a choice that Jesus made, certainly. But what is the key phrase here? A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his, house, and in his household. Um, and then you have to understand that our families will sometimes honor what we say and do and sometimes they won't. Our greatest challenge in families is praying for our family members to truly get to know and have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's tough sometimes to see them living in ways that are unholy and unhealthy. Now, I I say this as as a caution too. Make sure that as you interact with your family members, you are living the way you should live. Because it's not too far away that we can probably remember the last time we've sinned or done something we shouldn't have done. We are thankful to have repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ because we ask for forgiveness of our sin. But we're not called to be perfect, but we are called to serve Him and worship Him and live for Him. And that's what we have to understand. He wants us to live in such a manner where we do recognize where he says, be holy because I am holy. That's what we're always striving for. That's what we're always shooting for. But our fleshliness, our fleshly bodies will always act counter to that. So we always want to keep working and living in such a manner where we're honoring the Lord and what we're doing. But look at what it says here that the church, the people, excuse me. They couldn't deny his miracles. They couldn't understand, because of his wisdom and the miracles that he did, why isn't he getting people together behind him to follow him? And because they're looking at it more strictly from a physical kingship. Now, let me be very clear about something, too. Jesus was born a king. He grew up as a king. He lived as a king on earth, and he died as a king. His kingship has always been in place, but not the kingship that they're referring to uh, here in this passage. They're looking at him as far as being part of a movement where people were getting ready to follow him. Remember, he had dashed away because he didn't want them to make him king. It wasn't time, and we have to recognize that too. And some people were impatient with Jesus if they weren't upset with him or annoyed with him. They were impatient with Jesus because they expected him to be further along when it comes to his ministry. Well, that's a matter of interpretation. They didn't understand what he was doing. They didn't know that everything that was being done was being done according to what? God's timing and the Lord's timing. And of course, that just wasn't part of their thinking. And ultimately, Jesus knew that he was going to die. That was what was going to happen. And he knew that that was what his responsibility was going to be. But there was still additional work that needed to be done before his time would come. Do you use your time wisely? It's a legitimate question. We need to make sure that we're using our time wisely. We have family members. You may have heard me say this before, but um, Lynn's father, my father-in-law, waited until he was 96 years old before he declared Jesus as Lord. And that was through years and years of prayer. Years of prayer. Because sometimes for people like myself and my lovely bride, the hardest people to witness to is your parents. And ultimately that's one of those challenges that we have in families sometimes. And it's vice versa too, by the way. Parents may know the Lord. The kids, ha ha. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> because that's true in many cases. But that doesn't stop our responsibility of using our time wisely. We have the time to always pray. Pray. And sometimes we pray on our knees. Especially about our kids at times. Because our kids are like, whoo they will amaze you by where they are and what they're doing and where they're going. But you always keep them in prayer because God knows exactly what your heart is about getting them saved. So, let's get back to the passage. John chapter 7, verse 3. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. Now, you can almost picture this as far as how they're talking to him. It's going to be kind of a snarky, I won't say, uh, just a a snarky way. That's probably a good way to put it. Because we had the clue that in verse 5 that they didn't really believe in him. Leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Now, why do you think Jesus' brothers had a difficult time believing in him? Well, this is almost like a sibling rivalry type thing. You know, they were very good people in their own right, as they felt. But here is Jesus, their brother, just performing all kinds of miracles. They're doing—he's doing things that they surely certainly didn't expect. But their initial response is that they didn't care for it. They didn't really like it. So, in some bit of sarcasm, leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. What followers? There were followers. But were the brothers followers? Based upon verse 5, the answer is no. They weren't followers. So there's a sibling rivalry going on here. And they didn't care for it. But we have to understand that James, one of those brothers, became the leader of the church of Jerusalem. But when did that take place? He wasn't following Jesus at that point, but... And in fact, they didn't really want to follow him because they were embarrassed by all the attention he was getting. But what happened was, after Jesus died and rose again, those brothers finally did believe. But it took what? The crucifixion and the resurrection for them to understand that he indeed was Lord. I would be hopeful and prayerful that it wouldn't take a whole lot of demonstration by Jesus for people to recognize Him as Lord. But we have to understand something. People aren't going to recognize Jesus as Lord until they're ready to. Whatever that means. And guess what? That's based upon God's timing, God's divine plan, which we only can begin to understand. We say things like, worship the Lord Jesus Christ and and acknowledge Him as Lord and Savior before it's too late. Well, it's too late when time runs out. When your time runs out. And so, but God is in control of all of these events. He's in control of all of this. So, all that we have to really just keep doing for our family members who don't know the Lord is just to pray and stay in prayer for Him. Stay in prayer for Him. Don't stop praying. And it may take years. But, you know, in God's timing, that is really nothing. You know, we live for what, an average of 70, 80 years. God's time, that's not a lot of time. For us it is. Okay. There is an opportunity... To believe in Jesus Christ, but you have the time that God gives you to do that. Let's go on to verse six, John chapter six. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Now, understand something. Jesus is telling them, you go ahead. Because I think the expectation is is that Jesus, by the brothers, is that Jesus is going to travel with them so that they make this grand entrance into the festival. Well, that's not what Jesus wants. He doesn't want to make a grand entrance. He doesn't want to show up and get the attention because people know where he's coming from. They know his family. They know what's happening. And they, and Jesus already knows he is a flashpoint. So he's trying to get the brothers to understand, I'm not going with you. Didn't mean that he didn't go, but he just didn't want to go with them to raise more attention. Because look what it says again in verse eight. You go on. I'm not going to this festival. He probably should add it there with you (laughs) because my time has not yet come. We keep hearing Jesus mention, my time has not yet come. Time has not yet come. He knows the timing of when he is going to go to the cross. It's coming, but his time had not yet come. And he didn't want anything to be done outside of what would be considered outside of God's timing. Look at the obedience that Jesus has for the Father here. I don't know if you picked up on that, but he's being obedient to the Father. He's working according to God's will and God's timing in this whole process. There was more to be done. And Jesus points out in verse 7, because the world hated Jesus, guess what? In our families, we can be hated too because we follow Jesus. We can be hated by the world. We can even be hated by members of our family. If they don't know the Lord. And I know we heard that hate is a strong word. Well, it certainly is. But being hated means a number of things disregarded, diminished, disapproval, busybody, holy roller, Bible thumper. Those are all words that have been used about us as believers. And are those really words that put you down, per se? Not really. Because one thing that everybody has acknowledged here, even in this passage, is that Jesus has performed miracles. Jesus has done things that are far beyond what human beings can do. And yet, the world hates Him anyway. Why does the world hate Him? Where do we live? We live in Satan's domain. Of course the world's going to hate him. It's really common sense if you think about it. We are foreigners in this world because we're living in Satan's domain. That was established long ago. In Matthew chapter 4, when... Uh, Satan is tempting Jesus talking about I will give you all of these different kingdoms and lands if you'll fall down and worship me. And Jesus didn't make an argument. These aren't your kingdoms and worlds. He just went right on and went to the Word and said thou shall worship only the Lord thy God. Why didn't he say something about those kingdoms and worlds? Because they are Satan's domain. They do belong to Him. That's why He said that. But rather than you worshiping the world, what are we to do? We're to worship the Lord. Okay. We have to make sure that as we deal with our family members, deal with the world, we indeed are living in such a manner where we're willing to pay the cost to follow Jesus. There's a cost. You know, sometimes the cost is hurt feelings. Sometimes the cost is disappointment. Sometimes the cost is, man, I thought this person really had it together. I guess not. And you pray for those people. But you've got to be all in for Jesus, you can't be half hearted about it. You've got to put everything into it. And that's the whole point of doing what? The regular study. The regular reading. The more and more that you're not reading Scripture, the more difficult it is for you to be able to live in such a manner and speak about Jesus with confidence. All in. Can't be half-hearted about it. Let's drop down to verse 9. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of public view. It was a very conscious effort for him to go, perhaps even a different way, be secretive about it. He did not want to gather attention to himself because every time he gathers attention to himself or every time he shows up, there's going to be conversation about him And there's this ensuing conflict that's always going on between him and the religious leaders, which we'll look at more next week. So, why did he act secretly? The religious leaders, they hated him. They didn't want him to be seen, but they were ready. They were loaded for bear when he would finally show up because everyone had to show up. It's not like they could just bow out and say, I'm taking a pass. No, they were required to show up at these festivals. And you have to understand that a lot of the religious leaders, the ones who played religion, hated him anyway and they weren't going to acknowledge his message. The more that Jesus taught and worked publicly. The more these leaders would cause trouble for him. And cause trouble for his followers too. And that leads to the comment later on. About no one wanted to speak favorably about him in public. Because they were afraid of getting in trouble. With the Jewish leaders. I jumped down to verse 13. They didn't want to speak up. So. Based upon that. And, and maybe this is a way to look at how we sometimes Minister. Maybe in the workplace or maybe in places where it's not customary to speak about God. You live for Jesus anyway. You do so in quiet submission. And as you get around people, live in such a manner where you're honoring the Lord with what you do. Now, you may not say a word about Jesus Christ out loud, but guess what? You're making a statement about him. By the way, you're living. And every now and then it's okay to say, Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. So there's a way for Jesus to be shown through us, even in a quiet manner, but you're still making a testimony. You realize that just saying kind words to people sometimes is a statement of Jesus? Because a lot of people are just awful when it comes to a lack of kindness. You'll stand out immediately just by being nice to somebody. Being nice to somebody publicly. Having conversations at the restaurant or at the grocery store. Places that my lovely bride and I have been to and I've heard her speak and I just listen to her talk to some people because she's being kind to them. And, you know, she knows I'm not saying this to make her head swell up or anything like that because, you know, if anything... No, my her head would have to get much bigger before it gets bigger than mine. So, but that, <laughs> but having said that, she just does what she does, and I do what I do because we're following Jesus. You live as a follower of Jesus. You do what is necessary when it comes to speaking up and being kind to people. And. Honestly, just make the most of the opportunities that you get to proclaim the good news. You know why? Because there's time involved and God's timing is perfect. But for me and you, we're only going to be here for so long. Keep speaking about Jesus. And for the people we're praying for, they're only going to be here for so long. Therefore, keep speaking about Jesus. And don't stop. Stay prayerful. Go back to verse 11. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone had seen him. They were making the rounds. They wanted to see where Jesus, where is this man? I mean, it really was like that. That's what was going on. They wanted to find him. They knew he was coming because he had to come. He was going to show up and they were looking for him. And understand something. Look at verse 12. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowd. Some argued he's a good man. But others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. Now, some of that grumbling is justified because there were a lot of frauds out there. But we also know that Satan was very busy in the crowds as Jesus went to and fro. Satan was very busy. Satan was there to cause dissension. Satan is there to cause dissension around you in your life as you go about your business. A lot of the things that we're talking about here, we're talking about maybe human psychology to a certain degree because people will listen to other people and say, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, yeah, or something like that without even putting any thought into it. But guess what? That's what happens in the world we live in you know there's there's peer pressure you think that peer pressure only exists in childhood incorrect <laughs> it also adult it also exists in adulthood as well too and most of the people there well i should say some of the people there were arguing back and forth some were saying he's a good man don't talk about him like that some were saying nah he's bogus we have people out there in the world today who do believe that Jesus is Lord. And we have people out there who will call him either bogus or he's not what he say, who he says he is and would much rather follow something else or follow themselves. Keep in mind something. It's very, very easy for the flesh to puff yourself up as being important. You don't need to follow somebody according to the flesh, you can just trust your own instincts. You can trust what you're doing. Well, that's what your flesh always will say. But we already know that to follow Jesus, we have to do what? Be humble. Die to self and live for Christ. No one had the courage to speak favorably about it in public because they were afraid of getting in trouble with the religious leaders. And these religious leaders had a lot of power over the common people, they did have a lot of authority. They couldn't do much to Jesus. You know why? Because God wouldn't allow it. Remember the timing here. God was not allowing the people to do something to Jesus. Remember, they wanted to kill him. That's what we read earlier. They were plotting his death. But they wouldn't be able to do it unless Jesus ultimately had allowed it. But they also threatened anybody who would support him. They were really threatened by Jesus. Don't you dare follow him. And you have to understand, here's something that's really important for us to see here. And we'll, we're kind of on the home stretch. but I want you to recognize something. As time goes along in the world today, you have to understand that we are in the throes of spiritual warfare. A lot of it is masked as political But it's still spiritual warfare. It's still a battle of good versus evil. And what is one way for people to be silenced in the world today? It's by financial means. Restricting them from being able to do certain things with money. Now, it's only been a couple of years since coronavirus hit. And did not the world change 1,000% from what you were used to in early 2020? I mean, the thought of not being able to go anywhere or do what you used to do is, was virtually unheard of. Unheard of. Especially in modern society. Now, I say that because you know, the, the, the table's been set. If something like this happens again, there are going to be a lot of people who are just going to be willing to just go, go for, their, for what they know and just stay put when it might really need to be the exact opposite where we need to be speaking about Jesus Christ and talking about Jesus. So, I mean, this isn't a heads up on anything happening because I am not a prophet. I'm not going to try to be. That is not my responsibility, and if you try to make me a prophet, I'm going to get you, (laughs) because I'm not. But let's look at common sense here. Look at the personalities here when we read about Jesus Christ, and look at the religious leaders. Notice I'm saying religious leaders. And the authority they were trying to put forth to keep people from following Jesus is it really that hard of a stretch to think that that same pressure can't come on the church? Of course it could. It's a common sense thing. If you look at human behavior, just look at what people were saying. Just something to think about and something to pray about. And understand that this they were being threatened with excommunication from the synagogue, these people. They were being threatened, we will throw you out of the church. We will throw you out, which was a huge issue. That's a severe punishment to a Jew, to be thrown out of a synagogue. There is public shame in that. There is building resentment. So they were keeping their mouths closed, those who wanted to follow Jesus, because they did not want to be thrown out of church by the religious leaders. But the religious leaders were still having to reckon with the fact that everybody was still talking about Jesus. Jesus this and Jesus that. I know He's coming here soon. And some members of the crowd were already convinced that Jesus was Lord. He's a good man. God is working through Him. God is using Him. But, they couldn't speak about Jesus publicly. They were afraid. Now, what... Does that have to do with us? Are you fearful of sharing about Jesus? If you read Scripture, Jesus tells us not to be fearful, not to be afraid, because as you go with Him, He strengthens you. In our own weakness, and sometimes we will be afraid to share, but yet we're still compelled to share anyway. And draw our strength upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope you can see that. The people were made to feel embarrassed about sharing that they liked like Jesus. But Jesus says that he will acknowledge us before God if we acknowledge him before others. Take a look real quick. We're on the homestretch. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. This is a big deal, everybody. Take a look at what it says. This is Jesus speaking in Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. And the heading right above that in my Bible is acknowledging Christ which is something that we all have to do as believers, especially before people in our family, people that we know in the Lord. We need People need to understand that we acknowledge who Jesus is. We know who he is. It says in verse 32, Matthew chapter 10, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Period. We can go to the next verse. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny him before my Father in heaven. I know that you're not going to let it ever come to that. But if you acknowledge who Jesus is, and in many cases publicly, that's a testimony of who Jesus is that others need to see. Speak up. For Jesus Christ. Be courageous. And some in the crowd probably were. They argued he was a good man. Those who are arguing are arguing what? They're arguing against those who are saying Jesus is no good. He's just a fraud. So there's an argument going on. But Satan loves arguments like that. But be prepared to get involved in those types of arguments if that's what it comes to. If somebody's putting down Jesus right before your eyes, would you respond to that? Think about that. That's a good place to stop. I just want you to think about this conflict, this ongoing conflict, which Jesus knew He would be involved in, but at the end of the day, it came down to Him... Doing things his way because, as he keeps stating in these passages, his time had not come yet. He had to do it in such a manner where he was maximizing the ability for him to reach other people. May we live in a manner where we're studying each day and reading in prayer, reading with prayer, that we're using the time that we have wisely as well, too. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your teaching today. Thank you for how you're presenting the information for us to truly understand that you want us to see that there is indeed conflict to be reckoned with and it's not just what Jesus went through but what we go through and how we are called to rise above this conflict, trust in you, study your word, read in you, read your word more, have faith For we know that faith is so important in pleasing you. And may we remain prayerful for those around us who do not know you, Lord. We know who they are. We recognize them by their fruits. Lord, may they recognize us by our fruits. Our fruits of the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for how you teach us and show us how to live. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church, Akron, Ohio. We will be back next week. Please stay tuned online uh, for those of you who are not getting to church today to, for Pastor Gus's message on the work of sanctification. We appreciate you being here today. God bless you. Take care of yourselves. And we will see you next time.